Welcome to Decades From Home, a podcast about the weird and wonderful side of living in Germany. And all without saying, squadron roar like a dungeon dragon, change your little drawers because your pants are sagging. I'm Nick Houghton of 40%German.com and I'm joined by my co-host Simon Maddox. How are you, Simon? I'm doing really well, mate. Thanks for spitting them bars. That was sick. Can I say, I am very much uh, a hip-hop. It's <laughs> I'm not even going to lie. I've got no skills. I do like that song, though. But yeah, you've got some good news this week, haven't you? I have. I have. I've, I've got. A, I've got a vaccine appointment. Like like a bloody hero. The the Bavarian government has stepped up. My house hearts so far has yielded no results. I'm on the list there, so I'm sure they'll call mm-hmm. me on the morning when I'm going to the infocentrum. But yeah, I had to update my account with the with the state for my new address. And I filled in the form, did the same thing, same information, and suddenly I was bumped up from risk group three to risk group two, which is like over 80 or a fireman, I think, normally. So um, obviously they've cleared those people out, and now they're letting people like me in with my two pre-existing conditions. The first time I logged in to to choose uh, a date, I had to individually select every day and search it because it's German Mm. tech. Uh, so it wasn't particularly smooth and there was nothing available. I didn't find anything before July, so I was pretty disheartened. And then the next day I got a reminder that I was available to look and I clicked on and I could have had one today. Wow, fantastic. Um, at the Imp Centrum in Nuremberg. Uh, but I'm getting it on Tuesday morning uh, and I'm getting Moderna, mm. which makes me a little bit special because everyone else I know is able to get AstraZeneca through their doctors. We'll, we'll see how that works out. Have you done the, the requisite social media posts about how you're getting your appointment? No, I haven't because I know how bad <laughs> it's made me feel. It's, it's the law. Yeah, it does seem to be it's the law. It's the law. law. You've got to write how happy you are. But luckily, I just managed our our podcast account but i mean yeah seeing people Mm. who are our age without listing their pre-existing conditions can be a bit like hard to stomach so i just thought i'd 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 tell my family and friends uh, and they can be happy it doesn't need to be broadcast and make other people sad because i know that people like you uh, and my wife you guys are going to be pretty much the last people to get it in our age group Mm. so yeah it's it's not over uh, and there's no point to rub it in your face i was planning on following you to the the vaccine center and just as they're about to stick it in your arm like push it out the way bodyguard serving the president <laughs> style and just like throw my arm in front of it no this is you just wanting to relive your kevin costner fantasies all over again <laughs> yeah i do that every tuesday don't worry uh, uh, yeah I, d- I mean that's great my, most of my social media feeds are sort of filled up with people who are having to tackle quite literally the the various systems that are in operation in the different states around germany yeah. in order to get a vaccine some people have to go through some pretty daunting hurdles calling various different people tracking down vaccines and i'd seen a lot of people based in berlin which like pokemon go mm. but with vaccines and they're just running around phoning different vaccine centers to get the vaccine whereas i'm just just quietly waiting just wait till they get to us i mean it seems that the, the sort of range of options is growing by the day uh, we actually met some of our neighbors yesterday for the first time and uh, she's getting hers through her gynecologist through her frauen artist mm-hmm. uh, and they even offered to do her husband as well so yeah i mean apparently physios uh, in some cases are able to get it to administer it as well so obviously the numbers are really good now of seeing how many people are getting it on a daily basis and that's hugely encouraging but yeah we're still lagging behind the uk and the u.s as i watch pretty much exclusively uk and u.s news on top of my german <laughs> stuff it's, it can be a little bit disheartening so yeah, i'm i'm happy that uh, in a matter of weeks i'll be fully prepared to to, to go on the underground and not shit myself <laughs> like re-enter society we're getting to that point aren't we exactly. getting, I mean yeah. there's seen a lot of stuff about reopening and we, we haven't talked I think intentionally we haven't talked that much about the pandemic it's, it's the only news story if you go on most German newspapers it's literally the only mm. news story and I, and then everything is either adjacent to it like how, how do you feel in lockdown tell us about your experiences or I learned to write in lockdown or I became a farmer in lockdown I founded my own church in lockdown I mean we, we started a podcast Podcast, so I guess we are a pretty similar story. Very much so. But yeah, I'm, I'm totally fine with lockdown. I'm perfectly capable of sitting on the sofa for hours on end, enjoying the, the, the warm embrace of my Xbox. Uh, so yeah, I, I'm built for this. Whereas, yeah, I know a lot of people that aren't, and I do feel much worse for them. Uh, if you're an extrovert, this is much harder it's been tough in various different ways for different people it seems like unfair to say this but it does there is an element of like one of the things i find stranger when is when people go oh i've got the vaccine and everyone sort of comments like well done congratulations i just find that a weird like well done like you didn't you didn't do 
He didn't make the vaccine. <laughs> like, like, I just don't... Like, it's a bit patronising, you know? I and mean, I guess people just want to be supportive, but I just thought, yeah, I'm just going to wait for it. I'm, I, I don't feel like I have any... I have no necessity to jump the queue, and I certainly... Nothing's going to be on. There's nothing going to happen until, like, next year. So, yeah, you might all be vaccinated up, but it's not like we're going to Oktoberfest. Unless you're going to Dubai, which I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> We've talked German music before when we listen our favourite songs by German artists. But what German music is currently on your day-to-day playlist, Nick? Not a vast amount, to be honest. I'm not going in for any of the Schlager. I've probably got some hip-hop. Definitely got some seed tracks in there. And I've definitely got Peter Fox. And I've probably got something by the Fantastic Fear. <laughs> you can't just type in, like, Krautrock. <laughs> it's not going to come up on, on, on my Spotify playlist. So I've got to remember exactly by which bands. But I've definitely got most of Peter Fox's back catalogue. It's most of the stuff from Stadtaffer, a small amount, some of the classics, but that's about it. What about you? It's, I'm in a very similar boat. I Actually, flicking through, I can't see anything on there at the moment, but I'm quite meticulous about keeping my, my phone up to date with songs that I really like. So if I've heard a song mm-hmm. a lot, I will get rid of it uh, after a few months. I recently deleted, I know for sure, quite a lot of German stuff because I had mm-hmm. over-listened to it. So stuff by Crow, Borfreunder Stiller. Uh, I, I quite like as well. My Fantafear stuff's all gone now off my phone. So on my hard drives, I've got probably, I guess, 100 German albums that I listen to with some regularity. But on my phone now, it's pretty much exclusively punk rock and trampled by turtles and like bluegrass punk uh, from the US. You're so goddamn edgy, aren't you? Um, <laughs> I am. Yeah. Edges everywhere, mate. Watch out. Yeah, Shut up. I, f- I feel like I should have more. Like, I know I should probably have more German music, but at the same time, if you listen to German radio, like, you get bits of German music, but by far and away, you get more English language music on the radio. I don't feel so bad about it. Do you listen to the German radio a lot? Never. I don't listen to radio full stop. I stopped when I was about 16 because my musical taste is basically punk rock with like a, a smattering of hip hop uh, and the hip hop I like isn't isn't mainstream radio stuff so like 50 Cent and Eminem like they're all good but it's not what I listen to mm. I've always been sick of like radio adverts and DJ styles my wife puts on the radio when she's doing the cleaning so we'll listen to like Bayern Eins or Ego FM mm-hmm. like those are, I think two of the big ones we listen to and uh, it's just loads of oldies and like oldies are fine but it's like predictable Mm -hmm. just middle of the road oldies and it just never gets me excited so no i'm not a big fan of the radio yeah my wife and brother-in-law are big by nines fans i've Mm -hmm. i've got a fondness for antenna buying but not really not really i certainly don't like the sort of dj content that they have uh the sports content's quite funny like the sports stuff and the news and the the sort of jingle that they have reminds me of when i first came to germany and hearing like the radio so i kind of it's got a soft spot but really like the music choices they've updated them but still i just still i find it weird that Mm. there's no there's no bbc in this music environment like bbc's kind of your uh your standard in the uk you've got basically every kind of Mm -hmm. music covered by one bbc radio station or, or another uh, so if you want to listen to up-to-date music that's that's just been released to you, you're on Radio 1 or you're on Radio 2 for like more sort of mixed stuff. Radio 2 is like every radio station <laughs> in Germany. It's, like, it's a bit of rock. It's a bit of like new stuff. I remember listening to the radio and the song's like um, La Dolce Vita, which is like a, a weird mm-hmm. 80s electro track. And it was that and then it was Pink. And then it was, what's the pop gremlin called? What's he called? Pop gremlin? Um, okay. Yeah, what's he called? The, the kid with the guitar. Oh, you mean Ed Sheeran? Yeah, and then there's like, an, <laughs> and then there's like Ed Sheeran, and so you have like these this weird sort of. I'm I'm much more into like either tonally similar music or like if you're gonna transition from one mm. genre to another, there's there's got to be a couple of tunes in between to get you from hip hop to R and B to the Sugar Babes. <laughs> you know, there's got to be a jump there. I mean, just speaking from the experience of the German weddings I've been to, DJs in Germany don't believe that at all. It's apparently mm. perfectly okay to go from Whitney Houston to like a bit of Schlager to yeah, some EDM, mm. and DJing isn't what we sort of grew up with in the UK. I'm I'm fine without German radio. I'd rather be in control of what I hear instead of having some person that doesn't care really mm. if I'm happy. Um, 
I'll take control. Yeah, I mean, I mostly listen to Spotify at the moment or listen to like, mm-hmm. my own playlists. But like, so what? What is on your playlist then? What what music are you listening to at the moment? So yeah, I mean, in the last, uh, I've talked about how my my taste in food uh, is quite weird and how I like focus on one thing for a while and then I get sick of it. And that's pretty mm-hmm. much what I do with music as well. So recently, I've been really addicted to uh, a punk folk singer called Andrew Jackson Jihad, a band called Days and Days. Uh, from Phoenix, uh, who I introduced you to as well, and they're like, I mean, it's like hillbilly self-made punk. It's, it's, it's really good. It's so good. Yeah, it's really really interesting. But they like they look and sound homeless, and they're really cool. I've also really got into a uh, a South Korean punk band, the Rum Kicks. Uh, it's like a, a South Korean three-piece who just started. Like a friend of mine was like, "I'll oh, check them out," and I went onto their Facebook, and they had like two hundred fans, uh, <laughs> and I'm one of them in Germany. So that's pretty cool. But yeah, I'm a musical snob. Like when a band I like becomes too popular, then I normally sort of really? bail out on them. Yeah, like I don't like them as much when they're really huge. Mast Intruder is another really cool four-piece punk band that all wear like balaclavas of different colours. And they do punk rock versions of like 90s love songs as well as like comedy punk rock. And then like the ultimate classics for me is like Rancid, uh, No Effects, Dead Kennedys, The Swingin' Artsers, mm-hmm. uh, The Clash. Punk rock and folk punk is sort of my, my lane this, these days. I've got some No Effects on here. I've definitely got some Clash on here. I've got I've got quite a, a mixed bag. I don't mm. know. when. Like I've, I've just got one massive playlist. It's got 696 songs on it. I'll give you an example. So recently, I've remembered songs that I, I used to like as, as a kid or my parents would play. That has been something that I've been on. So all my brothers would play. So I've got a bit of Talking Heads. Got, mm-hmm. I've got one Dire Straits track. I've allowed myself. Which one is it? Uh, Walk of Life. Of course it is. Yeah, it's a classic. Yeah, yeah great one. Yeah, my mum used to play that in the car all the time. It's but then yeah. going down, we've got things like The Hives, Toots and the Maytels, Stereo MCs, bit of Bjork. But most of what I listen to at the moment is either Eddie and Decresse, which is a, he's just a fantastic electro DJ. Felix the Housecat, that's another big one. Just a lot of electro at the moment, that seems to be mm-hmm. the main. Interspersed with like random bits of nostalgia, so things like Primal Scream and that. They're okay. Dipping in and out. If a tune's good, it goes on there. So I've pretty much got every genre of music <laughs> on my on my playlist, except maybe metal. Metal's not something okay. that I've really got a lot of. So that's mostly what I'm listening to. But you won't you won't hear Etienne de Cresse on the radio. I've got a lot of Chili Gonzalez, and what I've realised is is a, is a funny one because he's uh, he's based in Cologne at the moment. Okay. And again, not an artist you hear very much of, but he's massive because he he started doing a lot of concerto pieces and doing. Cause he's like i think he's classically trained but he did a lot of hip-hop so he mixes a lot of stuff mm-hmm. but then i turned on deutschland radio funk a few months ago and realized a lot of their interstitial music is actually chili gonzalez oh really okay yeah yeah so i was just like oh right this is really interesting because it is beautiful piano music mm-hmm. which is really good no lyrics i think his last couple of albums i am also right in thinking that you're a sucker for violins like if there's a violin on the track you normally like it uh, it's something that I said to you, isn't it? It's like my guaranteed, like, if you put a violin in there, I'll probably have it on my playlist. So, yeah, a lot of violins. Don't know what it is about violins, but, um, yeah, if you've got, like, three or four violins in the, in your tune, I'll probably like it, yeah. It's a good standard, I would say. Bit of piano, bit of violin. Okay, so for the listeners out there, if there's any banging violin tracks, link us, please. Hashtag Decades From Home, Nick's Violin Tunes. <laughs> Yeah, I can't. I can't see getting much back on that, but I can only hope. So, I mean, if you had to guess, what would be the most popular genres of music in 2020? I would say 100% something like rock being yeah. in the top three, because rock music's a big, a big one. You see a lot of a lot of mm-hmm. ACDC, a lot of like like old schooly rock. I would say old schooly, but they're still like a going concern. So mm-hmm. yeah, ACDC or um, oh. Black Sabbath or Metallica, a lot of that stuff's probably up there. Yeah, I think early metal yeah. has definitely had a big influence on German culture, and you do see a lot mm-hmm. of sort of middle aged people wearing t-shirts of bands of that ilk. Uh, so yeah, I think we can call them rock these days, really, because it's not really metal in the same string as like between the Buried and Me or the Fall of Troy, like real mm. sort of scary metal. Uh, so yeah, rock is in there. Yeah, you'd find a lot of Germans would know those references because it does feel like metal and the various different elaborate genres of metal that you can get are, are yeah. pretty well covered here. You will see people knocking about with T-shirts to bands that I've never never heard of, and I spent a lot of time in my twenties hanging around with punks and and metalers, and they just had 
band t-shirts where you're like i don't want to listen to the music but i definitely want all that cover art (laughs) like the cover (laughs) art's amazing um after that i'm guessing stuff like schlager yeah schlager's made the top three definitely so yeah we've got rock and pop have been grouped together for this particular survey they come in at first a third of people like listening to those genres schlager comes in at 21 percent that 21 percent of germans responded to this uh, as enjoying listening to schlager so what's Uh, number two then Number two is oldies. What constitutes an oldie? I'm assuming when they say oldie, it's like pre-70s would be my guess. Yeah, you do get that on Bayern Einstein. Love Elvis. You get a lot of, love Elvis. The people that talk about the, the animals and people that like, ask us about bands that are from mm-hmm. the northeast that are like that released two tracks in 1965 and I'm like, I've never heard of them mate yeah it's a pretty broad term that isn't well defined by the survey but yeah rock pop oldies and schlager are the top three mm-hmm. coming in at number four how do you feel about musicals I'm not a fan of musicals I'll be honest no guys and dolls <laughs> Maria I, like, I've, I, I listened to a bit of Hamilton and like I've I've listened to I've been I've seen some music I've seen Cats and I've seen Le Miserable and I've, I've seen Jesus Christ Superstar my wife likes musicals a lot I'm not it's not, I'm not fussed, they're, they're not nice to see, but I'm not listening to them on my playlist. I haven't got any musicals on my playlist. Same here. Uh, number five came in at a classic, classical. They got some of the most famous composers coming out of Germany or Indeed. having worked or lived in Germany. A lot of big classical concerts as well, I've yeah. found. I don't, and I've also, I think it's interesting that in Germany, classical music isn't kind of the preserve solely of what we'd say call the upper class in Britain I guess no. like you get a lot of open air classic festivals that are free or very cheap a lot of people will enjoy that certainly people turn up with a picnic blanket and like have a little meal mm-hmm. with their family and like it's all multi-generational more than just picnic blankets I've seen photos of people uh, that I work with who've taken those like fold out tables or they've taken like gazebos and stuff and they've like got down there you know and, yeah they've, they take it very seriously there's going to an event and there's dominating that event and yeah I've, i'd rather do the first that's a very german <laughs> trait though isn't it comfort before anything else and then falling into sixth place is hip-hop and rap apparently 10.8 percent of those surveyed said they enjoyed listening to hip-hop and rap that's surprising it's a lot of what i hear kids will be knocking around the streets with one of those bluetooth speakers like i see a lot mm-hmm. of that or they'll be cycling past with a bluetooth speaker blare and it's usually hip-hop or rap of some description yeah. but does that not just speak to the the fuck you attitude that hip-hop kids foster through their music well, i don't know if it does I mean, there's a lot of a lot of middle class rebellion, especially in Bavaria, where mm-hmm. the middle class is the majority yep. of people, basically. So I think there is an element of that. Although, like, if if my daughter was playing NWA, I wouldn't be like, "Oh, I'm shocked." I'd be like, "Put track five on it. It's really good." I think it's a generational <laughs> thing. It's, it's it's different, isn't it? I don't I don't know what the music of rebellion is now because I wouldn't be quivering in my boots if my, my child was playing rap or punk or something. I don't think I'd freak out like the, the maybe did in the nineties or the the late. 70s early 80s every generation of course has its own soundtrack and there is always going to be some dislike for for what follows but uh i think we don't have the same psychopathic fears that like it's the devil's music or that music will corrupt your child (laughs) internet pornography and drugs is a bigger concern these days it's social media there we go yeah watching youtube (laughs) unboxing videos being locked down in a house corona Like, I think these are more likely to have a dramatic effect on the on your mental health than listening to a bit of Jay Z. I think I agree. <laughs> so there we have it. I mean, the six most popular music to listen to in Germany, ranked above Volksmusik, jazz, techno. It's safe to say that hip hop and rap are firmly part of the musical direction of the nation. I mean, ever since the Sugar Hill Gang busted out Rapper's Delight, hip hop has, from its origins in North America, created a truly like global movement with influence way beyond the tones put out. It covers language, fashion, culture, list goes on and on and on. And pretty much all nations on earth have been shaped in the last few years by this like tsunami of hip-hop that's that's coming out of, of almost every country. So before we go any further, what's your favourite classic hip-hop? I mentioned the Sugar Hill Gang. Like they're the, the originals. Uh, but what's your favourite classic hip-hop? I hate the Sugar Hill Gang so much. Because of... <laughs> by how basic the rhymes feel today or no it's no it's not it's because they're like they're renowned as the the first rap group but i think mm-hmm. among people who like rap music or know the history of rap they're kind of seen as frauds 
like the story of the Sugar Hill Gang is basically there was this like everyone in New York was rapping like all the like most people in black communities were rapping and knew how to rap and the, the, I think it was a record producer just pulled up and it was two people rapping and he just like do you want to write a song and, the, and they're like yeah and they got some of their mates and then they did this song and a lot of people at the time sort of saw them as a bit like sellouts and stuff like that but mm. I appreciate it for what it is and where it sits in the the sort of pantheon and that. But it's, mm-hmm. if I'm listening to hip hop, I'm not sticking that on. To be perfectly honest, if I think about what I've got on my playlist, Tribe Called Quest is probably high up there. Mm-hmm. I've definitely got Jay Z. I don't know if even if Jay Z is classic, really. I, I would say not really classic. No. Got obviously Dr. Dre. I've got a little bit of. I've got a lot of N.W.A. I've got a lot of yeah, a lot of a lot of early '90s stuff. Basically, that's what I'd go for. I mean, that's that's our that's our. Era. Era, mm-hmm. the early 90s hip hop and obviously we, we had some very good rappers I mean it's yeah it's not really classic in the same sense as Sugar Hill Gang but I mean yeah Tupac mm-hmm. and Biggie um, Nas I haven't got any Nas I've definitely got Tupac in there California Love um, Man such a good tune but I think when we think of like real classic stuff it is a bit more sort of run DMC I mean Public Enemy of course LL Cool J I mean, he's still doing it. And he really was one of the one of the originals. You mentioned Tribal Quest as well, who are of course titans of rhyming, and this is what we're going to have a look at as well. So, I mean, Germany's no different. And sure, there is some pretty mad music being put out by German record labels and being gleefully snatched up by the populace. I mean, Schlager, we we mentioned a few times now. Maybe one day Schlager will make sense to the two of us. But after a decade of living here, neither of us have a single Schlager song on our day-to-day playlists. So, I mean, we're not German enough yet. I don't think I would ever, though. Schlager's like a, a thing, and it's nice, and if you like it, it's cool, but it's just not... I'm not going to put it on and want to listen to it. It's not... It's, there's something very kitschy about it, almost too kitschy for me, personally. And there is definitely something to be said about it being sort of a, almost a genetic thing. Years ago, I was responsible for the music of my wife's 30th birthday, and I put together what I thought was a really good playlist, and it went well. Uh, and then one of my friends requested Artem Loss by Helena Fisher, and it was like the peak of that song. And I put it on, and every single journal in the room just went crazy for it everything else was like warmly received or like oh what's this Artem Loss came on and everyone danced everyone went crazy <laughs> uh, so I think there's something in, in the genes there uh, but then you also have like German mainstays Poor, uh, Peter Maffei, uh, Gildo Horn uh, and the list goes on and musicians who have garnered like huge success here in Germany and Austria but outside of the German speaking world their influence is kind of negligible my German teacher at my GCSE level who was from Germany did in fact use Poor's Abenteuerland uh, to teach us German. I can see why you would use it It's really not great uh, but yeah that's very much part of my linguistic past uh, when I hear Abenteuerland I do get a bit nostalgic but, <laughs> but I'm not going to any poor concerts in the future that is guaranteed i uh, think so when you were learning german did you use any music no i didn't i've i've always found music not the not the best uh for, for my learning of german at least i think it's something that if you if you took the time to find the lyrics and then you translated them i think that's quite good what i have found is when i listen to to german songs i understand <laughs> more and that's quite a nice buzz is going yeah. like, oh i do understand what's what's happening that's possibly why i haven't gotten a schlager because a lot of schlagers sung in sort of dialect yeah. in bavaria and and so it kind of just sounds garbled to mm-hmm. to, to us and, and you're trying to decode it and i don't have the energy no i wouldn't say if le- listening to music to learn german is really something that i do is it something you've done i think yeah i know i speak as well for one of our listeners Stu. i know that peter fox was an, an inspiration to like improve his german and yeah my wife was a big fan of that album so when she like wrapped it at me along with with the cd like yeah it made me appreciate that there was like another level of german that i hadn't really met yeah that sort of rapper deutsch uh, and yeah i mean of course it's always nice to feel like you're speaking a cool uh form of the language so gaining an understanding of like hip-hop german was was not a priority for me but i definitely enjoy when i listen to hip-hop now being like oh yeah i i understand even like the the short form words that are sort of being bastardized from the original language that aren't in duden like that's, that's quite a cool thing of course this is the problem that german music and it ends up as like a niche market held captive by the language itself sure it's totally possible to enjoy music without knowing what the words mean but isn't it much better when the lyrical message can be included in that experience i mean there are exceptions rammstein uh, one of the biggest metal bands in the world, yet the majority of their fans have at best a tenuous understanding of the meaning of the lyrics. True, though, that they also release some of their songs in English to boost their appeal. A lot of German bands, of course, do this, just translate their songs. Mm. So, I mean, I'm not a Rammstein fan, uh, but I know a lot of Americans who are, and so this is one of their lyrics, which I found quite interesting. 
Will you until death does sever be upright to her forever? Never, never. When I read that, it's like it's almost Shakespearean. There is something very theatrical about Rammstein. I don't hmm. know if that's something that's, that was there in the very inception, but I know like a lot of American soldiers, in, and obviously Rammstein yeah. was an American base. So Indeed, yeah, there's a connection for them, yeah. That's part of it too. I remember the sort of furore around the Deutschland video. I think the furore mm-hmm. was around the fact that they'd used a black German woman as the personification of Germania. I think that was a lot of what people were like, ooh, this isn't this isn't what we mm-hmm. expected. Or like the fact that <laughs> the lead singer was dressed up as, as one of the Bader Meinhof gang. I think he's cross dressing as a, one of the members of the Bader Meinhof gang. It's a really good video. It's really, really epic. Yep. <laughs> Again, Rammstein's not a band that I've I've got particularly on my playlist, but whenever they release a video, I'm generally I watch it and they're always pretty spectacular. Yeah, I mean they are very theatrical. They have a lot mm-hmm. of metaphors and a lot of symbolism in their in their lyrics and and that's i think a, a lot of what people appeal to I, I wonder if it is the case that a lot of their fans don't mm-hmm. engage with the german lyrics i get a feeling that rammstein's the kind of band that inspires a quite fervent following and the people who will be like pouring over the original german i get there's like a feeling I, that's a feeling i get from the fans that i meet who like rammstein especially english-speaking fans i i think that there would you would get to that point because it's a feather in your cap when you're able to understand this really sort of niche language, really. I mean, the amount of English speakers who speak German as their second language is a very small number. Most people will have Spanish or French Mm. uh, way before German. And so, yeah, to be... An American who understands the lyrics of Rammstein, like, <laughs> yeah, makes you cooler than the others. Of course, that's a big part of the appeal uh, of being a fan of music is being able to say, "I'm a bigger fan than you are because I can I can sing along and I know what they're saying." <laughs> now, I mean, some of their syntax, some of their structures aren't particularly complex. Yeah, Duhasmic, very famous song, is basically just Duhasmic on repeat. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's why why I think it's not so great to use music as a way of learning German because you can misunderstand stuff really easily and you hear things uh, that aren't the right phrasing or... So, I mean, this problem with understanding is a, is a pretty large issue when we consider the potential international success of German rap and hip-hop especially. It is, of course, entirely possible to enjoy hip-hop and rap with no idea whatsoever is being said. Just, I mean, we can look at mumble rap uh, from the southern states of the US at the moment. And some of the new wave styles of rap and hip-hop, it's almost deliberately difficult to understand. Coherence is no longer a virtue. For me, though, what draws me into the fandom of a rapper is the lyric themselves. Hip-hop and rap are, without question, forms of poetry. It's the playing with rhyme, meaning, and flow. These things, for me at least, serve as like the foundation for what I like in hip-hop and rap. It's funny, like, when you say that, I always get the sense the difference in our music is there is, like, a, there's a romance that you have for music that I just don't and we've discussed this before like I have an emotional connection sometimes thinking in the car when I've been driving to see you and I'm listening to music I don't usually get to play when the family's in the car mm-hmm. like they don't want the banging sort of electro and stuff like that <laughs> but is that what I like about music is its ability to transport you back Mm-hmm. it's like the time machine aspect so that's the emotional aspect I have for it but when it comes to lyrics and I'm more like what's the the sort of beat like I like okay. something yeah. that's quite driven uh, I'm not I don't have a lot of slow tracks mm-hmm. everything I have has some kind of strong beat behind it uh, yeah I, I get what you mean when you talk about the the flow and, and the rhythm of things but mostly what attracts me to hip hop is like a, a good sample or the speed at which the lyrics are delivered the, the rhythmic element definitely yeah I think there's definitely a, there's a physical side especially to certain genres of music I mean your electro EDM drum and bass and hip hop especially at live shows mm-hmm. they're very reliant on like a physical impact mm-hmm. that you receive as the listener and that is is very very special and yeah i really enjoyed my my days of going to hip-hop shows live and and drum and bass nights at uni like they were a very different experience from what i Mm -hmm. feel when i go and see punk rock bands where i'm like hanging on every word and i'm like meticulously watching like the bass lines and it's much more of a sort of visual audio as opposed to a physical thing but yeah I, i am I am romantic about these things for me i i fall in love with bands and musicians uh, and then become very dedicated to them. But yeah, bad lyrics, I can't tolerate. And with most punk rock songs, I can tell in the first 10 seconds if I like that song or not, just on the opening riff and guitar work and bass. Mm-hmm. So I am also a bit of a picky 
dick sometimes. As my German develops, the gap between what I hear and what I understand comes ever closer. But we'll have to also acknowledge that rap and hip-hop being of the streets also gives rise to a swathe of words that are not in the duden, being used with want and abandon so as to speak the real tongue of the culture it's representing. I think that's true. I think you do hear a lot of mm-hmm. sort of street Deutsch, you know, the, the sort of what people would be speaking. But again, one of the things when I'm thinking about lyrics is I'm loath to start quoting or using language that I'm hearing in hip hop mm-hmm. because I think it's it's not the language I would use. I wouldn't use the lyrics from a Jay Z song. I wouldn't use the lyrics from a Tupac song. Stolen language, isn't it? It's like it's inauthentic. Yeah, totally. very much so. Exactly. Yeah, it sounds fake as fuck. Of course, integrity yeah. is a pretty key part. Uh, so yeah, having white boys like us <laughs> referencing mm. your tracks is not ideal. It's the same as when I lived in Scotland, though. I didn't use... Uh, what I appreciated was the fact that I understood Scottish uh, mm. slang or Scots English or all the different kinds of language that you hear in Scotland. And I appreciate the fact I could understand it, but mm. I was never using it. And it's the same here as I like being able to understand what people are saying when they use the vernacular, but at the same time, it's not language mm. that like I'm really looking to use use for fear that i will yeah would sound really inauthentic i'm I'm terrible for doing that for adopting uh keywords that people use with me i mean when i'm talking to you or or our scottish friends and yeah i I am really bad for adopting people's commonly used words to make myself feel more uh sort of on the level i guess but it's different than if you were like brap 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 like it would just sound ridiculous (laughs) coming out of my mouth like when i think of any of the stuff like Mm -hmm. if i was to use any of the language that's used in a drill record or in a in a hip-hop record it just would sound i just sound like an idiot i just sound exactly what i am like a middle-class bloke with street pretensions you know and it's not it's not really who i am yeah i mean the only thing that i thought of with like one german phrase that i do use a lot doesn't really make any sense is ik habe dicke pulli anman uh, which is a fantafia rap, and I, I say it all the time. <laughs> but that's like, I, I guess, like when you're saying it like that, it's 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 ironic. It's always ironic. it's kind of funny. It's funny because it's fun to say as well, isn't it? And it, I get yeah, it's really satisfying. I get there's there's bits of like pronunciation of certain tracks. One of the tracks I pulled up just now was a Molotov by Seed. There's a few bits of pronunciation mm-hmm. in there that I'm just like, I want to be able to say German with that kind of guttural pronunciation, mm-hmm. and I just enjoy hearing it. Not so much necessarily engaging with it, but I definitely enjoy hearing how it's pronounced and how it's sort of almost spat out to a certain extent. Rappers Deutsch, as I reference, and as it's often called here, is like yet another variant of this already very complex language that you have to get to grips with if you are to ingratiate yourself with this musical genre. Add to that the list of banking German, medical German, insurance <laughs> German, and you got a recipe for a learner to like just fall back on their mother tongue and simply play hip hop and rap from the country they're from or from an English speaking country. It's just too much to learn it is sadly to say always going to stifle the international influence of a whole raft of really gifted and successful musicians who have to either accept the population limits of their spoken language or shift to writing their music in a second language which may also lead into deep waters where mistakes can lead them to looking foolish and not being taken very seriously of course misunderstanding is a problem and we've said already that english music is very very popular here And this leads to some hilarious uh, misunderstandings of English lyrics. So first up, we have the the iconic song by the Mamas and the Papas, California Dreaming. And of course, the opening line of that song is, All the leaves are brown. And apparently, uh, quite a common misunderstanding is Annalisa Brown uh, as a name of a woman called Annalisa, her forenama. Brown Nachnama, and I love that idea. Anna Lisa Brown. <laughs> yeah, you do that in English, though, don't you? Where you just sort of have a lyric that you haven't quite heard, and you just sort of run with it because you assume that that's what it what, what it sounds like. Indeed, yeah, I think yeah. that happens in German. There's, there's definitely. It wasn't until I looked up certain lyrics for certain songs that I've I've listened to in German. I'm like, oh, that 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 garbled mess isn't <laughs> the thing that I thought it was, you know. And and I think one of the trickier things to do when you're learning a language is the rhythm of language and how it's spoken. And mm-hmm. I knew I was progressing when I could hear the spaces between German words, because certainly when Germans speak, it can be because of the nature of the structure of the language, mm-hmm. the sounds, the tones, all of those things. But also things like compound nouns, you get words yeah. literally that are stuck together, three or four words stuck together, and you're trying to work out what they are. So yeah, 
I, I get why mm. that would come up, but Annalisa Brown's a pretty pretty solid one. It is it's a great one. I'm always going to hear it now whenever that song comes on, I think. <laughs> okay, so the next one that uh, I quite like this one too, it's another a naming uh, mistake, but this is from Snaps, I've got the power, and instead of, I've got the power, it's, I get to power. <laughs> so it's, I, I get to power is the mistake. I don't know why it's names, but yeah, there you go. But again, I can understand that. It's not, I've got yeah. the power. It's like, I got the power. It's like, <laughs> like, I can understand why you would do that. You're missing out the VE. It's quite crucial sound. So I think we've got a fancy dress sorted for the next time. I'm going to go as Annalisa Brown and you go as Agatha Bauer. <laughs> <laughs> and one final one we have is from Cindy Lauper uh, with the absolute classic, Girls Just Want to Have Fun. And of course, the opening line of that is, the phone rings in the middle of the night. The phone rings. In the middle of the night. And apparently that can be misunderstood as Dafauna Links instead of the phone rings. Over there to the left. Dafauna Dafauna Links in the middle of the night. I love that. Makes me very happy. But that's weird. Basically, your brain's intentionally tripping you up because it's saying like this English language (laughs) track written by an an English speaker has for some reason included this very specific directional phrase. Yes. <laughs> well, maybe they think, I mean, Cindy's quite a common German name. Uh, Lauper. Uh, maybe it's Cindy Lauper. Bro, <laughs> <laughs> Cindy Lauper. Now, we at Decades From Home have gone on long enough. We do have a point, and it comes from the latest story from one of Germany's most visually iconic men on the mic, Crow. Crow is a German rapper, singer and producer. He describes his music as a mixture between rap and pop, which he calls rock. <laughs> like, f- first, first of all, that's the first thing that puts me yeah. off, Crow. Already I'm kind of yeah. like, your music better be good. Because if you're throwing that at me as your uh, initial like offering. But yeah. Crow's trademark is a panda mask that he wears on stage and at social events, such as award shows. Well, it turns out that Mr. Crow... Is it Mr. Crow? Hair Crow? Yeah, anyway. Crow was being a naughty boy and admitted that he used the mask to his advantage and actually sent out doubles to attend events he did not want to go to. The Echo Awards in 2012 is one such event. Ich habe es mir dabei wählen verkackt. I screwed it up with a lot of people, he said, as he took ownership of his actions. This double was on a strict orders to speak to no one, which led to him ignoring a fellow rapper, Sido, who greeted him at the awards and most likely thought to himself, fuck that dude, in the aftermath. It does seem that he screwed up. I guess this is the benefit of people not knowing what you look like. Is it really such a big scandal that he sent a double to an awards show? I don't know that it's a big scandal. Uh, So the upshot of this is that Crow has now literally buried his panda mask uh, social media posts show the mask being cast to the earth, retired in mulch and regret. Crow is now wearing a new face covering that is reminiscent of the French electro duo Daft Punk. More on them later. The idea came to him while on vacation in Bali. Where he said, I was washing my hands there and I saw a dryer in the mirror behind me that looked very similar to the mask. He then designed the first prototype while on the Indonesian island. Inspiration really can be found in the oddest places, a toilet in Bali. But when we saw this story, both of us had a connection to it. First off, masks are now a daily part of life in Germany. FFP spy masks being everywhere and now becoming the new icon of people disposing poorly of their waste. These pesky little things laying strewn on the pavements or in woodland trails all over the nation. Secondly, pretty much zero of our listeners who are not family and friends have the slightest idea what the two of us look like. Uh, so far, <laughs> Good. we've had no need to invest in masks to protect our identities. Thirdly, we both have huge love for some artists that have done, as Crow has done, Warner Mask to be anonymous in their music. I'm a massive MF Doom fan, while Nick is a lover of the aforementioned Daft Punk. For those of you in the know, you'll be aware that we have both, therefore, had to adjust to musical loss this year. MF Doom sadly died at the end of 2020, and Daft Punk announced their split in 2021. It's been tough. Yeah, it has been. <laughs> That's a very genuine one. Just as I was stepping out onto my balcony with my wife to pop a cork to the dawning of 2021, I looked at my phone and was greeted by the headline, MF Doom, iconic masked hip-hop MC, dies age 49. Nick had, without knowing, sent me the message that shook me the most in all of 2020. All at once, the reverie of the night was muted and numbed, and I was stuck in a few seconds staring at the screen, trying my best to digest that information. Doom was gone, and with that, a stream of influential music had suddenly run dry. In spite of the ban on fireworks, a few explosions started off in the distance, and I was brought crashing back into reality, and trying my best to get back focused on ringing the new year with the wife. If I'd known it was going to have that impact on you, I would never have sent that message. I'd had a few drinks, like, so maybe that added to it. But I really, 
I can remember the feeling now. Like everything kind of focused in, and I was totally bummed out. It was really awful. Next day, I'm just not going to message you. <laughs> it's the only way. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if it was better if I found out from you or from someone else. But uh, I mean, I did get other messages from other people. Everyone who knows from me from my university days has listened to a lot of MF Doom. It was always on in my room. For those of you for whom MF Doom is an unknown quantity, allow me to bring you up to speed. Born in London in 1971, Daniel DeMille ended up straddling the Atlantic and calling Long Island New York home. He was heavily influenced by comic book culture, and MF Doom created a universe of characters who intertwined and complemented each other in a way that seems almost unfathomable that it originates from the mind of just one man. In fact, he rapped and created under different names, allowing new styles and directions to be explored without fanboys screaming, it's not like the last album. In the 2000s, MF Doom went off and created four of the most significant albums in my collection. Got 2003's Take Me To Your Leader, under the name King Ghidorah, Vaudeville Villain as Victor Vaughan, also in 2003, and 2004's Venomous Villain, and Mmm Food, both of his primary title, MF Doom. Finally, and up on the highest of pedestals, came Mad Villainy, under the alias Mad Villain, with producer Mad Lib. If I were to only be allowed one album uh, from hip-hop for the rest of my life, this album, hands down, Mad Villainy. It is a banger. The MF of MF Doom stands for Metal Face. MF Doom always wore a mask akin to the one worn by Marvel's Doctor Doom, although it was later reimagined to match the mask donned by Russell Crowe in Gladiator. The mask, just like Crow's panda mask, allowed him to be anonymous and to gift his creations the ability to speak for themselves, to throw off the shackles of the human creator behind the mask. It also allowed him to become one of the hottest properties in hip-hop whilst being able to retain a privacy that is almost impossible to achieve these days whilst being adored by thousands of fans. Mm-hmm. Yet, I mean, Crow's mask thing seems very gimmicky. I mean, maybe I'm doing him a disservice. MF Doom just seems, and we'll talk about Daft Punk in a bit, but it does seem like a more of an organic creation. Like, there's a more of a purpose behind it. Whereas I think mm-hmm. Crow, like, he appeared with the mask. And whether he's a fan of MF Doom or whether he's a fan of Daft Punk, I don't know. I have to think, looking at the new mask that he's wearing, that he's looked at Daft Punk and thought, oh, I'll just do that. There's a gap in the market. They've retired. Yeah, it does feel yeah. a bit like that. Like, oh, this is the gimmick. I'm the rapper who wears a panda mask. Yeah. Maybe, again, maybe I'm doing a disservice, but it doesn't feel like he's got the same artistry that went with Doom. But I mean, also, Doom has maybe even a little less integrity on a couple of things. I mean, Doom definitely right. used doubles at events he didn't want to go to. This is well known. But he also occasionally sent people to to sort of to, to rap at shows as him so he didn't go to some shows and there were lots and lots of stories of people paying top dollar to cmf doom and then realizing that it's not doom at all it's someone like faking uh, the rap and obviously yeah, that is like. that's pretty disgraceful interesting so doom actually did worse i think in many ways if you're charging people for tickets you got to perform but i mean anyway doom for me is, a, is an absolute titan of lyrics uh, a man unmatched in any genre of music never mind just rap and hip-hop with a twist of a line, he was capable of showing you what language was capable of being, how insightful rap could be, how it could make you question life as you knew it. Profanity and disrespect are noticeable for their absence. Sure, he swears, but it's done so naturally, so smoothly yep. and without venom, that it's the poetry that stands out as opposed to the operated approach by other rappers. This unmatched skill for his use of words is partnered with samples from cartoons and horror movies, Elements that are so entwined with the average childhood of the 80s. Each sample has a warmth and a familiarity to it that instantly makes you feel as though he's ripped apart your childhood out and like laid down the sickest rhymes on beats on top of it. It feels utterly natural and sincere. I love Doom. <laughs> yeah, I can, it's very obvious. <laughs> I, I totally get it. I totally understand it. Yeah, I mean, as much as I like MF Doom, my musical mask wearers of choice were the French duo Guy Manuel de Homon Cristo and Thomas Bangalter better known as Daft Punk. Although Daft Punk decided to call it a day early this year, much to my chagrin, they've been responsible for some of the most successful electro tracks from the early days of Daft Punk and around the world to the chart-topping collaborations of Random Access Memories. Daft Punk formed in 1993, taking their name from a negative review in which their band was described as Daft Punky Trash. Although they had their name, they wouldn't take on their robotic alter egos until the release of their second album, Discovery, in 2001. I mean, I came to Daft Punk like MF Doom, sort of via my brother, mm-hmm. who is the, the secret third member of the Decades From Home he team. He is indeed. 
He's the silent partner. Uh, he does all the um, post-editing. So Greg, Greg will be here listening to this now. Hi, Greg. Hi, Greg. Uh, but he introduced us to Daft Punk. He he was on them the earliest days. I think he snuck into a underage, into a, a venue to see them play live before they had the robot masks. And he talks about how that was quite a influential moment in his interest and desire to create music. Because watching... And this, there's a really famous video of them playing in Wisconsin in the early 90s without the masks mm-hmm. and you can see what they're doing playing all these different devices playing all these different synths and it's just it's it's beautiful to watch it's coordination it's it's teamwork it's everything it's really really good mm. but for me I sort of I fell in love with Daft Punk when uh, Discovery came out and it's again through my brother I remember getting off a train in Newcastle and my brother saying we've got to they've released this album you've got to listen to it and he was just talking about it incessantly until we got home and I, and I was kind of like oh it can't be that good and he put it on and I remember hearing it for the first time just being like this is not like anything I've ever heard before um, it's interesting as well considering that Crow has taken on this mask as, of like the daft, this Daft Punk style mask um, I mean it's, it's impossible not to assume that he's that that's his influence but even his music sounds very different there's a couple of tracks on there that just sound like distinctly Daft Punk. There's a track in there called mm-hmm. Smooth that you just like that sounds very much like Daft Punk. Yeah. And it kind of that makes me feel a little bit uncomfortable. I'm not one to sort of go after people for ripping off other acts, but like it just seems a little bit targeted and a little bit cynical maybe. It's something but, that's, that can be done in the German music industry. You can take stuff from the US and other other backgrounds to sort of tailor it for the German audience and you know not everyone's going to listen to it because of the language it's being done in. So it does allow certain artists to get away with a bit more things that head in the direction of plagiarism. I wonder, yeah, I think there's an element of people like things that are familiar, don't they? It's partly why the oldies mm-hmm. and, and rock are still very part, like they like things that are familiar yeah. to them. So I, I guess that's possibly why his 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 albums do well because they sound like something that you've heard before, perhaps. The robot masks for Daft Punk weren't just an artistic expression or a cool gimmick. They actually served a practical purpose of keeping both Guy Manuel and Bangalter effectively anonymous, as did with the MF Doom mask choice. Their claim was it kept focus on the music and not the men behind it. Given that most fans couldn't pick either of the duo out from a lineup, suggests that they achieved that aim. For sure, it's that iconic. Those the the robot helmets are iconic, and I'm very much assuming that they're split up and then they'll reform. Because their live their live output was some of the like so the live albums are some of the best albums they've they've, they've made, and their live shows are are, mm. are epic. I've never had a chance to see them live, but watching on YouTube like the light shows and the pyramid stage that they built for the a live tour was it's just yeah they're, they're really into the performance mm. and it isn't just the they've transitioned away from like big synths but they have like these these custom made devices basically that they play on uh, and they're like sound boards mixed with like drum machines it's just something really special and and when they do a live performance mm. they mix all their songs together so they're almost like original content in themselves and it's it's rare that you get an act that's willing to go that far like we're not just going to play the tracks mm-hmm. you know we're going to play the tracks you know we're going to mix them with other tracks that you know and we're going to make it sound like amazing. Sign for the shopping list. So, yeah. Any connects out there? Uh, Nick would yeah. like Daft Punk tickets when, when they reform. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, damn right, sort me out. So I mean, I sort guess the question out. is, is it even vaguely wrong for an artist to hide behind a mask? No, I don't think mm. it. And I think it's actually quite wise in a lot of respects. I think it's different if you're, if you're doing it to defraud your, your fans. Mm. Or like to to allow yourself to to be in two places at once. So I mean, how many followers do you think we need before we have to go mask shopping? Oh, I don't know, like a hundred. <laughs> We're getting close to that. <laughs> I don't know what masks would we get. Maybe you, sh- you get like a violin mask. You know, yeah, look through the little holes there. I'm not going to get a tea cosy and just cut some holes in it and just wear that on my head. I like that it. That would be my choice. I think I'd, I'd want something Viking-esque so I can like get the beard <laughs> integrated into it. So something from like Assassin's Creed Valhalla. <laughs> uh. Just you looking like a warrior and then me in a tea cosy. That actually does seem to make a lot of sense. <laughs> I think there's a photo up in our future. <laughs> Okay, so for those of you who got into DMX back in his heyday, you'll be familiar with his war cry, Where My Dog's At? If you are not into the scene whatsoever, you will have no doubt been touched by the Baja men. Who let the dogs out? Bear with me. There is a link here. I'm just going to... Just 
this in here. Hundeführerschein. Brauchen wir das? You get it? You feel me? Are you happy? Look what you made me do. I had to link DMX to dog licensing. I'm so bloody ashamed. How do you think I feel? I'm standing next to you. <laughs> Jeez. Good effort, though, I suppose. It's, it wasn't the easiest link. <laughs> <laughs> this is the story that the government coalition in Baden-Württemberg want to introduce a dog driving license. This is intended to show that dog owners are able to manage their four-legged friends. I think the joke here is it's a dog license, but mm-hmm. Führerschein is the word you use for driving yeah. license. So I like the idea that it's, it's sitting on the back of the dog and sort of using its ears <laughs> as a steering wheel. Good people of nobuyin.de, where we source this news, are asking, should Bavaria introduce that too? I mean, yeah, it's, it's a pretty valid question. It's, it, that's the thing with the southern states, isn't it? It's very typical that it comes from nordbuyin.de. It's kind of Baden-Württemberg's doing something. So I assume Bavaria will do something yeah. at, the, at the same <laughs> the same value. Those two southern states are so similar. <laughs> the test consists of a theoretical and practical element, just like a driving license. The test already exists in Lower Saxony and can already be done on a voluntary basis here in Bavaria because, you know, nothing says dominance over other dog walkers like displaying your dog driving license. So, Simon, have you and your (laughs) wife discussed getting a dog? Are you down for another license in your life? I mean, we got two cats and I'm very happy with them. They they shit in a box and I don't have to pick it up with my hand. So that's that's a a fair balance for me. Uh, What about you and your wife? You guys interested in a dog? My, my wife has been threatening to get a dog for all the time that I've known her. She's She had a, a pet dog when we first met. He sadly passed away. So dogs, if we're going to get a pet, we'll get a dog, probably. But Any particular breed? I guess I guess my wife has an idea. I just want a dog that, that, that if I have to... Because inevitably I'll be the one walking it at six in the morning or when it's <laughs> raining or when it's snowing. I'm not saying that... My wife or daughter wouldn't take up the slack. I'm just, I just know how these things work. I just know how this would work. It would be me doing it. Mm-hmm. So as long as it's a dog that doesn't emasculate me, <laughs> like I don't want a handbag dog. I don't want one of these. Like I've got family members who have King Charles Spaniels, and they're frankly the dumbest animals in the world. Their heads are too small for their brains, and like inbred animal. Mm. I want, I want something scrappy. I want like a mixed breed dog. I want like a mongrel that's got like some attitude. That's what I'd go for. Definitely. I think that's, that's definitely the right choice. I mean, obviously, adopt, don't shop, I think is, is good advice for dog owners. Oh, yeah. Uh, dog wannabe owners. Uh, but yeah, I think a lot of people have taken them on in lockdown and realised that there is a lot of, of heavy lifting that goes with it. Uh, so yeah, I'd say start with a cat. And we went, we've been to dog shelters and there's some weird dog shelters out there. Like some places that are just, you kind of like, mm. can't believe these places are operating. They just look so depressing. They're basically dog prisons. So yeah, I think it's definitely mm. if you can get a dog out of one of those, then you're doing, doing them a favour. Absolutely. Dog licences, pretty good idea in principle. You've got better owners who know what they what their responsibilities are. Uh, but how long is it till a baby licence is suggested then? <laughs> you do that thing where we're, we're getting pets and babies mixed together. <laughs> People love that. <laughs> People uh, love it when, you, it when you talk about <laughs> your pets as if they're children. I guess the idea... I don't think it's a bad thing. I, I, I guess the joke in Germany is that there is a license for anything and everything. Want to play golf? You need a license. Have to pass mm-hmm. a test as well to play golf. You want to go fishing? Got to have a license and you've got to pass a test. Like A lot of hobbies that you would just think are, are normal have licenses. So I can see why people would want to have or think that having a dog license is important. I think you have to be aware of the responsibility you're taking on. I'd like to say that people are aware of responsibility they're taking on when they have a baby, but I know from experience that that isn't necessarily the truth. So, but I think get, having a baby license isn't like kind of we're moving into a dystopian future. That's what it feels like. It's not going to happen. That's for sure. Yeah. I don't know that I have much trouble with dog owners. I don't. I don't think it's such a big issue that you would need to legislate for it. But I just it does ha- it does smack of like overstep, mm. overreach of the state. Like, how many more licenses do we need to carry around in our wallets? And they're going to check them as well. Like, like the ordnungsamt stopping dog walkers in the park going, can I see your license? You let yeah. your dog off a lead. There's a TV show, right? Oh, yeah. There. Like, But you imagine <laughs> you wouldn't want to be the ordnungsamt doing that either, would you? It's like, it's already a, a job for the for the the very picky of our society, you know, the very choosy nature mm. of our society. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. Staying with the (coughs) 
theme of dogs, let's finish with the story of a 47-year-old German fraudster who has landed in a whole pool of hot water after having been arrested by Spanish police. Yeah, the woman is accused of faking her own death and embezzling over one million euros from the German-based solar power firm she worked for. I'm always impressed with like people who can embezzle large amounts of money. <laughs> like, how, like how do you do, do it? No. Like, what did you do? He was just in charge of the Excel spreadsheet. Is that what it was? <laughs> this, this article doesn't tell us, unfortunately. But the story began in November when the woman was summoned to a court hearing in Palma in Mallorca, and suspicions were raised at the Rostock-based solar power firm she worked for when her parents reported she had died in a car crash in March 2020. Oh, wow, the plot thickens. Yeah. So they were involved, clearly. Mm. They, they got a payoff. Oh, dear. Someone's not followed the, the, the first rule of being a criminal, and that's like, don't tell anyone anything. <laughs> the firm, suspicious of the validity of this claim, hired private detectives to investigate the situation, who sniffed around on social media and dug up some leads. <laughs> uh, one being that she owned a giant poodle. Oh dear. Yeah, that's right. This individual had managed to convince her parents to tell the company that she worked for that she'd been killed in an accident and had gone off the grid to cover this story, but was so infatuated with her dog that she continued to maintain a social media presence for the hound. <laughs> what a fucking idiot. Like, yeah. What are you doing? You've got to kind of be amazed at people's stupidity. Was she in the photos as well? <laughs> <laughs> Little block over her eyes as the owner. <laughs> no, it's like just a face pixelated out. I love a story about a crime where the person gets caught for doing something totally insane or stupid. Like the, the people who like put lemon juice on the face because they think it makes their faces invisible to cameras. <laughs> that kind of stuff. I just love it. But this is some epic failure. <laughs> just desperate for the for the internet karma. That's what it is. Yeah, would would your parents be willing to go along with this? Would they would they tell your company that you died? I don't know, like no, I'm assuming not. I'm assuming not. Mine definitely would Well my dad's my dad's a former vicar, so I fear that he would be the on religious grounds alone would prevent him from <laughs> lying to any any government authorities or even my uh, employers is that good parenting or is that bad parenting i can't quite work it out I, you're right it could be some pretty positive meaning parenting if this woman has like a million euros in debt and this is the only way she sees out of it and she's trying to like save the family home uh, then maybe they're doing that for vaguely positive reasons. But I think any time where you tell someone's employer that your child has died, it's just inviting a whole load of bad juju into your life. You're basically living on borrowed time, aren't you? It's not like 40 years ago where you could just leave your clothes on the beach and just walk into the sea and like people, oh, I guess, he, I guess he's dead then. And they can just nap off to Brazil and start a new life. It's practically impossible to disappear now. Like, how would you even do it? There was a guy this week who uh, he faked his own death and went on the run for 30 years and it turned out that the police <laughs> the police weren't looking for him he wasn't even a wanted criminal oh god you want to check those things first right yeah. you need to see the warrant <laughs> yeah like i want to know that i'm being chased before i start faking my death I, again it's the information about whether it's it's purely for financial gain or whether there's an element of she was being tracked or whether she had a tax bill that was excessive or something like that mm. It's always funny when you have like a German scammer. It's, it's not something you think about that much, is it? Like you, you don't hear many no. stories about scammers in Germany or I hear a lot about like Indian call centers scamming German people, IT scammers and stuff like that. But this is like mm. a whole different scale. Anyway, being dogged investigators, the, the detectives <laughs> tracked down. You're loving this, aren't you? You're loving every single reference. I, I enjoyed writing this, yeah. yeah. The detectives <laughs> tracked it down to a fancy villa in Santa Poncha after spotting a man walking such a poodle which is not very common breed on the island. Right, so they've chosen a pet that's not only uncommon in the area, but they're, like, knocking around the streets with mm -hmm. it. Yeah, you're sort of asking for trouble. So she claimed to have died in March 2020. She's using the cover of the pandemic to keep everyone confused. And, that, yeah, I feel like this woman didn't do enough. Mm -hmm. Didn't do enough to keep herself hidden. Doesn't seem like it. I mean, she's now out on bail, and the police have been quoted saying that she's, in fact, been living in Mallorca with false ID documents as well. Uh, so, yeah, I think as the trial continues, this, this woman's not going to see her poodle for a while, I'd guess. Yeah, like, having, like, false ID documents again it's like where do you get this stuff from i wouldn't have the first foggiest idea where to get fraudulent documentation for it's not like in the old days where you just get a stamp and then like someone who could knock up a bit of documentation on the similar typewriter like there's a lot there's like fucking holograms to contend with yeah but i think if you uh yeah if you get a dark web browser 
and spend a bit of time there. I don't think it's hard at all. I think it's probably shockingly easy to get a fake passport. In order to access the the darknet, I'm going to have to start getting some pretty serious software. I think I will. Like if 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 you ever read a story about my clothes being found <laughs> on a beach, you'll know exactly where I am. I've like nicked back to Newcastle <laughs> to get a Greg's. Now you have to go to Sunderland, the last place people are expecting to find you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The wood. I wouldn't go there. <laughs> Hello, Shin, Darman and Heron. That brings us to the end of another episode. I hope you enjoyed it. No specific thank yous to make, but since I'm here, I want to thank all the listeners and the community for being total legends. You're all tweeting and Instagramming us into relevance, and we can't thank you enough for all the lovely comments. You're all class acts in my book. If you want to help us out with a retweet or just want to share the show, don't forget to tag us with hashtag Decades From Home or lowercase so we can find you and give you a shout out on next week's show. As ever, if you have any questions, feedback, or maybe an article or topic you'd like us to cover, you can tweet Simon on at Decades From Home. You can tweet me at 40% German. You can also get us on 40%German at gmail.com. If you have time, take a look at 40percentgerman.com. Weekly articles are up every Saturday. There's articles about food, there's lots of articles about life in Germany, about culture. So yeah, take a look if you get a chance. All that's left to say is thank you and bis zum nächsten Mal. Tschüss! So I said, that's not what I call a donkey bridge. <laughs> One second, mate. Someone's at the door. Hello? Are you Mr. Maddox? Yeah, who are you? My name is Irrelevant. Okay. But I'm sure you've heard of my employer, the Ordnungsamt. We believe you've been podcasting without a license. What? You don't need a license to podcast. I assure you, Mr. Maddox. You do. Fucking hell. Do you have a swearing license? A a what? You need a swearing license if you want to say the dirty words. This is unbelievable. I need to sit down. Do you have a sitting license? Eh? Well, well, Mr. Maddox, it looks like you will be having many fines for not having the required licenses. I need a drink. Are you sure? Do I need a license for that too? Of course. Could I ask a question? Of course. Why are there six other people with you? Paperwork, Mr. Maddox. We need someone to carry all the forms. We will be faxing later. I guess I'm going to need a pen. Are you sure? Don't tell me I need a license for a pen. Of course not, Mr. Maddox. Thank God. You need a permit. In triplicate. Ah! <sighs> Thank God. Fuck, I was only dreaming. What a horrible nightmare. I don't believe you have a license for nightmares, Mr. Maddox.